and welcome to wrestling with edwards for the very first time in a long time uh this is a completely different show uh we will now be talking some of our favorite matches in the history of wrestling i will watch some new stuff i will have friends on to talk about really whatever and whenever from you know time i i've asked a multiple people and there's going to be a lot of shows coming up with a lot of matches, but we will kick off today with once in a lifetime, not so much, but once in a lifetime, John Cena versus The Rock. And with me to talk about this is J.W. Kirkland and Nick George from Last Word on Pro Wrestling. Nick, J.W., how are we doing today? Doing great. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm I'm excited. Uh, you know, going through the opening, I'm not gonna lie. I, you know, stumble a few words because I did not think about how this was a brand new podcast and this is the first time I'm doing the whole match based podcast. But you know, other than that, I'm doing pretty good. I'm excited to talk to both of you, uh, JW. You know, I yeah. I know you've wanted us us three specifically to talk <laughs> on a podcast for a while now. So uh, how are you feeling about that? I mean, it's a very interesting topic to just kind of decide on, but I'm excited to do it. Oh, I'm excited too. I'm, I'm talking with my boys in the bonk patrol. I've got a cup of sweet tea talking about wrestling. Life can't be good. It can't be better right now. That's, that's fair enough. I mean, sweet tea. Hell yeah. Could, I'm <laughs> <laughs> just, just thinking like, you know, we all live in very like different, you know, we live in different parts of the world, you know, JW, Florida, Sheriff, I, I have said to you many a time, I have no idea where you currently reside. I, I just, <laughs> you, you, you move a lot. I am in Wales. Okay. So you are in Wales, but I think the beauty of what I think this perfectly shows the beauty of professional wrestling. It brings people 
together from all parts of the world. And that's what's so exciting about this podcast today. And like I said, we're going to talk about John Cena versus The Rock from WrestleMania 28. And it's a very interesting match because in WWE history, you know, the way I've looked at it after rewatching some of their segments and the match itself, it has led me to believe that this match has it, it, it perfectly exemplifies the best and worst of WWE. And I'm really excited to get that, get into that with both of you. Um, so what was your, I'll ask, I'll ask JW first when this match was happening, you know, when it was actually going to be a thing, what was your excitement level? What was your expectations for the feud and match itself? My excitement level was through the roof just because, like I was talking with y'all right before we started, I didn't get into wrestling until kind of later on. Like, everybody else was a fan during the um, Attitude Era period. They got to see The Rock. They got to see him work. I never got to see him actually, like, wrestling live or anything like that. Never got to see a live promo. Obviously, did a lot of research, saw the old stuff, and... To get to actually witness a match of his live, like, that alone was enough excitement for me, just getting to see him come back. But I was also one of, like, the angsty teens who was in the, oh, Cena sucks phase of my life. Oh! <laughs> I gave into peer pressure. I gave into peer pressure. What can I say? Love him now. Love his work from then as well. But at the time, I gave into peer pressure. So I was really looking forward to the fact that I'm like, Rock's a big star now. There's no way they're going to put Cena over him. And then the fact that he actually went over was just like put me to another uh, put me to another level. And I'm going to stop because we're talking just about the first match today and in a perfect world that's the only match that happens. Yeah, it's once in a lifetime. I I don't know exactly. what you're talking about. That's the only once in a lifetime. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. It only happened once, once in a lifetime. Uh, and also, John Cena has never been bad, so anyone that booed him was just wrong, so that's okay. Uh, no. Nick, Nick, how are you feeling? Because I know your story when it comes to these two, and um, I think it must have been you know, awesome for you as a fan. Yeah, I, I was pretty torn by it. So I'm a little bit older than you guys. I was born in 1994, and I first started watching wrestling in 1998. So I started very, very young. Um, in 98, The Rock was my guy. He was my, my childhood hero. So when he left in 2003, I needed a new childhood hero because I was still only nine years old. And that's when John Cena came into my life. So by the time 2011 came around, I was very torn. Although I was kind of pretending to be one of the C I hate Cena guys, but you know, I, I still wore the wristbands and did the new I was still a Cena fan at heart. I love the addition of you were wearing the wristbands and everything. I can appreciate that. Just for the record, I was I was not wearing the wristbands. No. Sure you were. You were wearing the metaphorical uh, <laughs> wristbands, the metaphorical ones. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, it's funny. In in 2008, I dressed as John Cena for Halloween. I remember, like, a lot of people that I you know knew around then had no idea who John Cena was. Now, you know, if you dress as John mm -hmm. Cena, you'll just be like, oh, I can't see you. Ha, ha, ha. You're from John Cena's state, aren't you? Shouldn't everyone there know John Cena? 2008? Everyone? 
No, I mean, you're from his state. You're, you're oh, well, you would think yeah. so. You would think so. But, you know, West Newberry isn't like this big spot. Like if I, I don't know, I, I guess it was better probably around here. Like some people knew, but not everybody. And the funny part was, OK, well, let's play a little game. 2008. Right. Can you guess the shirt of John Cena that I was wearing for that? Well, is that the the black uh, the black one that was uh like his re- what's the word I'm looking for the WrestleMania 25 one with the like, dog yes the one with the massive dog on the back yes uh, that, okay, is the one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was the that was the return one where he returned and won the Royal Rumble then yes yes okay uh, I'll okay. never I'll never forget having that shirt because it was the most ridiculous thing ever with that dog on the back uh but yes that was the shirt. <laughs> And I'm I'm happy that we're all Cena fans in one um, aspect or the other. For me, you know, you, you know, Joseph, you say you got into wrestling late. I got into wrestling in 2007. I was eight years old. Um, and John Cena was my guy from the very first show I watched, which was, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> I told you guys this there was no way out. 2007 not a very good show if you look at the card but the main event was undertaker and um batista versus Shawn michaels and john cena so that was pretty cool yeah that's a pretty fun match yeah i remember that one yeah i don't remember any of the other show and i mean you guys made sure to tell me how bad the show was not you guys specifically but the last word uh chat so that was pretty funny but uh, it was me it was you yeah okay so it was you i was trying i was trying to save you but let's get more to john cena versus the rock uh i'm with i'm more in the jw camp of getting to see the rock live in any form was really exciting so uh that was you know that was the whole push for me and doing against john cena of all people this was the closest thing that wwe could get to the rock versus uh the rock versus hulk hogan in a sense and he ever yeah, did. Definitely. oh for sure it's kind of like the rock in the hogan role and tina in the rock role isn't it yes it really, really, really about it. exact all right jw you can go uh but no like that's perfectly putting it i would love to i would actually love to rewatch the rock hogan match now kind of like with my new perspective like on analyzing wrestling matches and just see how much of that holds over from like their respective roles and what they played in the actual match itself Mm -hmm. and the i i do wonder sometimes if they were prepared like if you read stories about that match they were somewhat prepared for hulk hogan to get cheered but i don't know if they were that prepared for the rock to completely get turned on like they, yeah, like I don't that. think he'd ever been booed like that before. So that was no. a strange, no. strange scenario. Right, because you know you have that, you know, the Hogan Hulk up part worked into it. So clearly they knew, like that was going to be effective. But at least going into Rock versus Cena, you knew, yeah, Cena was getting booed. He was going to get booed yeah. out of the building, especially at being in Miami of all places. And I guess we should start this entire thing off from the night that The Rock returned to WWE for the first time in uh, what was seven, it, years? seven years. Yeah, yeah, which Same. is 
Not the CM Punk. I mean, and think about it from my perspective. By this time, all I knew of The Rock in appearing for WWE was that he did via satellite things. Like, you know, like he wasn't showing up for any of these shows. So I'll never forget, you know, that he's getting introduced as the uh, the host of WrestleMania. And I don't know. I wasn't on, you know, the the sheets or anything by that time. I didn't know any background information. I had no clue that it was going to be the rock. So I remember watching that show live and, you know, they're panning around the arena and then you get the, if you smell and the crowd just absolutely loses it. I'm like, Oh, so this is how it feels when the rock comes around. I, I I'll never forget that uh, moment. Uh, Nick, do you remember uh, watching that, whether it be live or you know, it probably wasn't live, but do you remember just watching that and like feeling this is going to sound corny, but the electricity that he really does bring. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I remember because I was just starting out on the dirt sheets at the time. And I feel like it wasn't that well known that it was going to be the rock. I think it, it was a genuine surprise. I, I could be wrong. There could be people who do, but I certainly didn't. So when, um, I got up in the morning and accidentally got spoiled that The Rock had come back. I was uh, kind of shocked. So I, I watched that show straight away and you could feel the the electricity in the crowd, even though, you know, it was always spoiled and I knew it was going to be The Rock. You could still feel like a sense of, well, this is a big, this is a big thing for WWE, if you get me. Yeah, it's like, we see so many, you know, surprises nowadays. It's almost sometimes it kind of could feel like overkill, but I'll never say no to surprises. Um, <laughs> but there was something about this one that I, it's probably just cause it was the rock, but it just felt, it felt different. And JW, I, I don't know when you saw it, did you feel when you watched it, did you, did you feel that like, oh, you know, it's cool that he's back for a host. You know, did you expect him to wrestle? So I'm going to answer that by saying I was also at on the dirt sheets at the time, just getting into it. And like Nick said, nobody knew that The Rock was coming back. It was the genuine surprise. But in my lengthier stay on the dirt sheets and not being able to discern who was trustworthy and who wasn't, there were already people who were talking about The Rock booking himself into the mania main event as host because the host role still wasn't really defined like what kind of control he had um if he was just going to be on screen for it no one knew what the extent of his involvement was going to be which again as we're kind of going to get into i definitely prefer what happened with him kind of dipping in and out and having just a slight play on what happened in the main event so that way we actually got that year-long bill to really give the match the gravitas that it deserved Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, yeah. Uh, the the interesting part of it all, right, is that the Rock comes back. They are going with Cena versus the Miz at WrestleMania, but the entire feud is clearly between Cena and the Rock. And, you know, you have the WWE champion there kind of like, hi, I'm still here, you know, and it, it kind of go, it, it's really almost the start of what we see a lot 
in WWE nowadays is that it's not necessarily the champion who means the most, but the names, the people that mean the most. And I'm not here to blame The Rock for that. The Rock is The Rock. You know, we we you see him uh, at the Super Bowl cutting a promo nowadays. Mm-hmm. Like he is bigger than everyone. Yep. But I do think that this is one of those WrestleManias that you wa- you can watch and you're like you know, do they really care about the title anymore? Like, even the WWE Championship at this point, you know, because the World Heavyweight title by them was, you know, there's nothing. It was nothing. <laughs> Let's just be honest. It's unfortunate, yeah. but the big gold belt did not matter. So, you know, for me, it's really interesting to look back at that time. And, you know, Nick, do you think that this was the start of – I don't want to say the part-timers taking over, but more so the title at times meaning less. That's a good question. Uh, I feel like maybe that has already happened because Cena had become such a, a big name himself that anytime he wasn't a WWE champion, it was always whoever was a WWE champion had less focus than, than John Cena. And I, I feel like this was a kind of an extension of that and maybe taking it a bit further because after this, then The Rock would be champion and sorry, uh, after this, then whoever was champion would still not matter because The Rock was back and then Brock Lesnar returned and whoever was champion when Brock Lesnar was around didn't matter because Brock Lesnar was wrestling. So, yeah, I I agree. I feel like uh, this though wasn't the beginning of the uh, weakening of the importance of the title, but uh, it was definitely taking it to another level. Mm. For for sure, and it's I mean the most interesting part is you know CM Punk's title reign is yeah it, it kicks off in the middle of this you know year long build to the once in a lifetime match, which I guess really illustrates how the title was thrown down, even with Punk doing, you know, some of the best work of his career, it was still second fiddle to this match. Yeah, I think main event had won one event during that entire reign. Yeah, maybe, and I maybe. think it was against Cena, wasn't it? Uh, the Rock at Royal Rumble. I want to say it was TLC, because I don't think they had Kane and Cena close out the show then. I think that was the time they gave it to Punk. Uh, yeah. yeah, that yeah. one, and then the Royal Rumble with The Rock, I think. Yeah, TLC was... Uh... <laughs> It was The Miz, Del Rio, and Punk in a triple threat. Oh, never forget how random a match that was. And Punk got like handcuffed to the top rope <laughs> and was climbing yeah. up with the rope c- attached to him. And I just, I'll never forget the weird image of that man. Uh, well, I guess this isn't about CM Punk. We could always, you know, do that some other time. But back to Cena and the rock do you do you guys think that okay so the feud gets underway after wrestlemania i was gonna say we could talk about the wrestlemania 27 main event but we're not doing that no one cares uh in a a nutshell everybody the rock you know hits the rock bottom and cena the miz wins after restarting the match there you go that is that is that entire show pretty much um because you know it's one of the worst WrestleManias of all time. I don't think that's up for debate. But the night after, right? This is when the challenge is laid down from Cena to The Rock. 
The Rock to Cena. Once in a lifetime. One year of build for this show. This was, you know, this was, it's a once in a lifetime build, truthfully. That's one way we can keep the once in a lifetime situation going. I don't know if they'll ever do something like this again. What was your guys' take on the match being planned a year ahead of time? You know, then and now. Um, you know, JW, I'll let you kick that off. What was your mindset when that happened? My mindset when that happened, being a um, member of the instant gratification generation, like you're going to make me wait an entire year to see this man in a ring when I have, haven't gotten to see him live once in my life. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You're going to make me wait an entire year. Now, though, with the perspective of an adult, I appreciate that because that made my anticipation build up, which made the match like more impactful to me. Whereas if that would have happened in which nowadays they wouldn't think twice about having that happen at some random pay-per-view for some reason, because, you know, why not throw Cena and Rock on a random backlash or something like that? But the fact that they made us wait the entire year really gave it that punch that it needed because I think that we, me and Scott were talking about it beforehand. The match itself that they ended up working, which I'm not going to get, dissect too much into it, but it was a relatively basic work match. Very good, very strong, but relatively basic work. But that year build gave it that anticipation to where people were just chomping at the bit to see them go at it, and it just took it to another level. Nick? Yeah, I pretty much agree with all of that. I think my main concern at the time was will I still care a year from now? And I did. So I, I guess that kind of worked out for him. Um, yeah, so it was just the thought of making it interesting for an entire year. And I, I feel like they, they achieved that to, to, some, to some degree. Yeah, I mean, the interesting part, right, is that you had the punk and Cena stuff in the middle of all this. You had that storyline be told while also telling the once in a lifetime feud and you know some people can agree that probably helped that once uh that uh punk feud because punk it gave some punk it gave punk some content to use um against cena but you know a lot of stuff happened and you know the rock pretty much disappeared for the next couple of months he wasn't he, I think he dropped in once in a while. I don't really fully remember, like, you know, with some videos or whatnot. And, you know, they started teasing the match a little bit through media. But overall, it, it was kind of gone. It was it was kind of out of sight, out of mind. Let's just be like, you know, keep this in the back of your head. We'll kick into gear, you know, probably after SummerSlam. And I thought that was an interesting part because, you know, you have that anticipation, but at the same time, you're like, okay, well, I don't need to care for a little bit. I, I really don't because the the reality is The Rock's not going to be here every month, every week. So that was the interesting part to me. And I guess this is where I like to bring up where WWE runs into their many problems. The, the part of the build for me to this match was okay this is gonna be the first time the rock is back in the ring in seven years eight years by then and they kind of rush it to get a big number at survivor series they yeah, do with 
Yeah, I was about to mention that. Yeah. Did, did you guys feel like the Rock wrestling that match took some mystique away from the WrestleMania match? Because the whole point of it was it's Rock's first time wrestling in eight years, I guess it would have been then. And then they waste that return on The Miz and R-Truth. Did that lessen the match for you? It definitely took some wind out the sails, in my opinion, because it's like, you know, you have Rock and Cena. Like you said, first time he's been back in the ring in like seven, eight years. First time a lot of fans are going to get to see him in action. And then you make it on a Survivor Series pay-per-view that, unless you're researching this match, you're going to kind of forget about that match itself. Like, can either one of y'all tell me off the top of your heads the finish of the match from, from Survivor Series? The Rock. <laughs> the Rock probably did something. Yeah. But but that's my point exactly. Like it's not a memorable match. It's not one that leaves an imprint of memory. And to know as a wrestling fan that that was like his actual return match, like even looking back from a historical standpoint, it's disappointing. I I agree. I think it was a match that you should have done the year after. You know, like if you wanted to get a moment where Cena and Rock team together, you save it because you are building to this major match and. I know by then I was into the sheets and there were some rumors that, you know, Rock kind of wanted to get some rust off and get a match under him, but that's yeah. not what this was. The Rock would have lived without doing this match, you know? It was WWE doing what they often do now. And that, I think, is overusing um, their biggest draw, in a sense, of you have this match that everyone's looking forward to you're only by then what survivor series in november you're you know you're you're six months out or so you you already made it half a year why why waste it why waste so much excitement and i know the answer is because they already knew they were going to get all those tickets and get all those pay-per-view buys. That's why they did it. So they said, okay, well, why don't we double down? But this is the problem with WWE nowadays. You didn't see rock and Hogan, you know, go team up and then be like, Oh, here's the match. You didn't see, you know, you didn't see Austin and rock, um, you know, before, well, this is a little, they're different because they're current, but you only have these matches. So rarely, and I guess it goes into the fact that they ran the match back again, too, that they never know when enough is enough. I don't know if you guys feel that has kind of, well, I think you guys both agree that they do that now, especially because, you know, they run back Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns every couple of years, for example. Every, <laughs> typical can they ex- uh, coexist storyline, which they always do. Yeah, which is just, that's terrible <laughs> if you think about it. like you have the biggest few you have the biggest match you'll have probably for you know i don't see wwe getting st- you know they'll probably do rock and roman but that's not that's not rock and cena and they just they did the can they coexist storyline for it just think about that for a second yeah it's uh the tragedy one thing I would like to point out real quick, though, and this is just something to think about. Meanwhile, they've squared off on WWE TV more than, obviously, Cena and Rock have. But if you go buy pay-per-views, I could be wrong on this, but if I'm going, if I'm thinking correctly, I'm pretty sure Cena and Daniel Bryan have wrestled less on a pay-per-view than Rock and Cena have now, officially. That's true. 
I think they only wrestled once, right? Or twice. I think they only wrestled at, at SummerSlam. Yeah. Yeah. I think you wow. could be right. That's a, that's a crazy little factoid. Wow. That makes you, that makes me, that's uh you, you just twisted my mind for a second there. Just, no, I know that's what I'm saying. Like, it's like, it's insane to think about that. This legendary matchup, these guys who are icons of two different generations have squared off less than two guys who, you know, they're technically vital to the same generation from like a coming up standpoint. Meanwhile, Brian's obviously had like a different leg in this new, newer era. I don't know what it's being labeled as just yet, but yeah, like Cena was the face of the PGA, but Brian was still very much so part of that. Well, WWE calls John Cena the greatest of all time, and a lot of wrestling fans call, you know, Brian Danielson, Daniel Bryan, the greatest of all time. So it's it's interesting if you look at it that way of like WWE's great against you know kind of like the hard fa- the hardcore fans great, and we got that once in a lifetime instead of the once in a lifetime match which is very funny when you think about it that way man you just you just broke my mind a little bit uh but i guess let's get let's let's discuss the build towards the match you know we had the concerts and the promos uh i'll let you two take this one away because there's a lot to unpack i don't know how much you guys want to discuss um or really if you just want to kind of generally do it but Whichever one wants you to take this away, go right ahead because there's a lot, but there's also not a lot, if you, that makes sense. So JW has researched far more than I have. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pass the microphone over. <laughs> uh, I haven't researched that much more, but all right, I'll go ahead and take it. But to me, and I don't know why this left the biggest impression on me of anything in the entire buildup, but this was one that kind of hurt me because like I had been behind the rock and again, stuff's come out since then that was kind of planned, but Cena pointing out him having the notes on his wrist, that to me, that's like hurt me internally. Like I am still scarred from that to this day. That was terrible. That was just uh, an attempt to make the crowd side with Cena, wasn't it? it? It was terrible. The rock had never had promos written on his arm before. And then all of a sudden he's doing it just for Cena to point out. It's a strange, strange ploy to get people to cheer Cena. Yeah, I know. But the thing is, that could have hurt The Rock so much more, especially if they're planning on using him more often, because think about it. Like, all that any wrestler needs to do now in order to get one over on The Rock, at least in the eyes of the general, the the casual fan, the ones who don't research the dirt sheets and the ones who are just kind of surface fans, all they have to do to get one over on The Rock now is pull out a note, be like, hold on, I gotta look through my promo notes, and now all of a sudden they have a joke on The Rock. Yeah, that's that, why I really don't understand why they, why they did that. It yeah, that to, me, that to me was, like, one that really stunk. But everything else, though, again, the, the Rock concert and everything, that, that was... I don't remember any of the words they said, but I remember watching this and being watching that and being like, I don't know what's going on, but I'm kind of enjoying this right now. Like, he... It, again, just accentuated his personality. Like, he makes everything entertaining and enjoyable, even if you're not necessarily going to remember it 10 minutes from that point. Did you prefer the rock concert or Cena's rap? Because there were some people I remember at the time who thought Cena won that little music war. Cena definitely won that music war, just because from a quality standpoint, the Doctor of Thugonomics definitely came through on that one. 
Yeah, what do you think, Scott? Who who won that one? I don't remember Cena's. So I, oh, think no. I, I don't remember. I remember him doing it, but I don't remember a single line he said. I remember the rocks, but I think it's because they put the entire things on iTunes as a song, <laughs> which is, really? yeah, they did. And I'll never forget it. I was like, well, I'm a juvenile ch- child. I'm going to listen to this. Um, yeah. And, you know, Cena went more at the rock. Well, from what I remember compared to the rock who kind of, you know, was very much just making jokes, which is, you know, what the rock does. He was singing about Cena's mom and, you know, it's it's interesting to think back on because, you know, The Rock is this major star. I mean, Cena is too now. But, and he was just making mom jokes on live television. I don't know why, yeah. but it's like stuck in my memory. I remember Cena had to make an apology because he made a Brokeback Mountain reference during that. <laughs> LOL. <laughs> I remember. Like I remember that very specifically because he was trying to make a race to which mountain joke, and then he made the joke, and like there was a big uproar, and he had to issue a public apology. I was just like in the middle of probably the biggest WWE feud of all time. Like, like it got publicity for it, but still, I was just like, wow, that was just that's just like a crazy thing to have in my memory bank. I'm starting to remember now that you bring that up. I'm starting to remember some of the things he said, and interesting. I d- it was it was one of the more entertaining segments that they did for sure because you know the rock, the original rock concert so legendary so ha- getting the rock to run it back I think alone was just really cool um, and then you know Cena doing anything Doctor of Thugonomics is such a win I think anytime he does bring that out remember he did it against um, Elias a few years ago remember that he did he did that was awesome. <laughs> Yeah, the best moments from that. That was actually a good WrestleMania. Uh, that was thirty-five, right? Who? Yeah, who? Who made about thirty-five? Um, the women, triple threat. Yeah, yeah, that was a good one. That was a good mania. And Kofi yeah. won, so that was cool. Yeah, yeah, good That to me, that that's one we should cover another time for sure. I agree. That that's so that's such an easy feud to remember. Like <laughs> it was so perfectly drawn out. But yes, I agree. We'll do that. Maybe that'll be the next time when I have you guys on. That'll be the next one. I know uh, Nick already has sent me the one match he'd like to do. So J J W, I know uh, I'll have you come on sometime solo too, and we'll talk match. But back to Cena and The Rock. Um, I guess it's time we get to the match, huh? The event. This is on, um, notably the highest selling pay-per-view in WWE history, WrestleMania 28. I don't know if you guys knew that, but it was at one point in the top 10 of most, uh, highest pay-per-view buys, which is insane. I mean, I think it's been broken since UFC had, you know, a couple of their super fights. But at one time when it happened, it was top 10. Um, it still might be top 15, which is pretty incredible. Dang, that's impressive. Okay. Thing about yeah, I didn't know when you think about like the super fights that happen nowadays. Yeah, I mean, they're never going to do it again because of the network and whatnot. But just thinking of like how great this match was, and, you know, we're talking about how the tag match kind of ruined some of the um, value behind what was happening. But, you know, to other people, it didn't do any of that. You know, they had a sold-out 
stadium, sold out football stadium that was absolutely going out of their mind for the entire match. And people around the world must have been going uh, out of their mind. So it's a win. It was definitely a win. It worked. One year build worked. Uh, thankfully, they've never tried it again, though, because they just don't have the people to do that, even though I wouldn't be shocked if they tried that with Rock and Roman, but they probably I was going to say, yeah, I, I feel like that is the plan, so it could yeah. happen again. Oh, yeah, because they have the dirt, the sheets have said uh, there is a Austin level surprise, and I remember reading that. I was like, so The Rock, <laughs> like what else is Austin? You already want that level, so yeah. <laughs> I was like, that was the most absurd rumor to have. Like, oh, if it's Austin level, then, well, there's no one else. So, uh, I'm, I mean, if they did do that, it'd be bold, but it could work. It could definitely work. Um, so, you guys, you know, watching this match then, um, watching it now, I will say, I still felt the same excitement watching it. Like, I watched the pre-match entrances. And, oh, by the way, the pre uh, the the videos that they made going into this were some of their best work. I love, love the separate. They did, like, a whole documentary, actually, for this match. Um, but, you know, they have the Machine Gun Kelly song for the Cena part and the Flo Rida one for the Rock thing. I'll never forget that. And then they have... Um, we are young by I don't remember the group's name. I don't remember the group's name. Fun? Is it fun? Sounds right. Right, yeah. Yeah, they had that as the main um, you know, hype up video. I can never Vignette, is that what it's called? Uh, I, I think it's just a promo, isn't it? Oh yeah, well okay, that makes sense. That's that's my bad. But it was one of it was it's so great and I rewatched all of that going into the match to kind of get myself back into the mindset of, okay, this is, this is huge. Uh, do you guys remember any of those videos? I mean, I still think, you know, like the Daniel Bryan monster one is probably the best I've seen in my lifetime, like during the feud, but I thought these were great. Yeah. The Daniel Bryan monster one was beautifully worked. And again, these are absolutely awesome. One other one I would like to point out for anyone who wants to go see a good primer video. Meanwhile, the match itself will break your heart is, the legacy one for between Cena and the Wyatts. Oh yeah. yes, I remember that. that. Really awesome. Well, yeah, um, but yeah, like I said, this was another one well done. Like you can never deny WWE has probably the best production team when it comes to generating these videos. They should. They have the most money. They really do. <laughs> uh, I don't make Tony Khan show his bank account now. <laughs> Yeah, well, no, 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 that's okay. It's okay. They they had a good one for uh, Hangman though. I liked how they did that. Yeah, um, they did. For, uh, but Nick, uh, let me ask you, what do you remember from you know? Because each each uh, wrestler got a uh, concert before their entrance too. Right here. Can you repeat the question? Yeah. Uh, so I was asking you, like, what was your memory of the promos uh you know the video promos and then the, uh, ah, yeah. the concerts pre-match i don't remember the concerts pre-match but i remember one of the promos was the rock on set film in a movie uh and i think that might have been snipped i could be wrong um 
Uh, I, I liked it. I liked that they did so many promos because usually it's just one big promo package, isn't it? But they did they did quite a few, and I liked that it kind of portrayed Rock as the big Hollywood movie star, and Cena was kind of for once in his life the underdog, the everyday man, so to speak. And yeah, I I, I liked that. I think it was pretty good. I agree. I think the I think the concerts before were overkill in a sense. Um because I really remember the concerts. Who who, who was who uh was... so it was Machine Gun Kelly for Cena singing right. the um Invincible song and then it was Flo Rida Flo... singing two songs for the rock. Yeah, yeah I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, is... I think it was overkill, personally. Yeah, I do too. And which is very funny to think back on because, you know, Machine Gun Kelly was like nobody back then and now he's, you know, pretty uh, yeah. pretty popular. So kind of crazy. And yeah. he's also in the new WWE video game I saw. So a little random tidbit for you all there too. Um, I just can't wait to get Kevin Owens to throw him off the stage. <laughs> That's a classic. That's that a classic. Be oh, man. I remember that. That was, that was great. Uh, but okay. So. You watch the entrances, right? And Cena's getting booed out of the building, but he is Cena's so good at playing up, uh, getting booed, getting cheered. He doesn't care. He's just so good at taking it all in. Then you have the Rock's entrance. The moment it hits, you know that that building. And remember, this is an open arena, so the fact that you could almost feel it rumbling and the the sound never went away. And I thought. The entrances alone, you know, you just felt how big this match was. Uh, did you guys, from what you can remember, because I, I know I probably didn't say, you know, watch the entrances. We were mostly just rewatching the match. But do you guys remember, like, how big that felt, just that alone? Yeah. I remember thinking this is a, a real WrestleMania main event because we were fresh off of, the Miz versus John Cena the year before, so this was <laughs> this was quite a step up. Uh, I was very much in awe of the moment. Yeah, yeah. I kind of agree with that. I definitely feel like the the entrances and everything. Meanwhile, it was definitely overkill. I also felt like that was them kind of being like, "Hey, our bad last time. Let's we're going to make this feel extra special for you now." Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the main reason behind like the extended entrances but yeah like the entire thing just felt like a true like to me that was the first true like wrestlemania feeling main event that i had seen since oh geez i'm trying to think of one that kind of matched up with it that might have been the first one where i truly felt like it measured up to the wrestlemania legacy that they had been trying to like lay out since i had been a fan basically and Shawn Michaels and the Taker main event. I would say that, yeah. They, yeah, uh, yeah the that second was... time. Yeah, yeah, the, sec- yeah the, second one, the second one definitely felt like that as well. I was just, like I said, I just kind of brain farted there when I was trying to think of it, but yeah. Well, well to be fair to you, if you think back to the previous years, right? 27, Cena and Miz. 26 yep. was Shawn and Taker. Yep. 25 was Triple H and Randy Orton. I think that fits your conversation. 24. Four was Edge and Undertaker, which was a really good match. Um, it was. But, but that's, you know, I think that's fair still. Like, it wasn't the – It I, I, I'm with you on that one. And then the year before that, which was the first WrestleMania I watched live, was Cena and Shawn Michaels. Yeah. So, 
which Cena wow. Michaels, you can argue that's that's kind of up yeah. there. But at the same time, though, like I to love me, that the match, you know, match for selfish reason. Oh no, it was a great match. Period. Like, but again, the reason why I was kind of saying that's the one that really felt like it was that. Yeah, Michaels Undertaker, they only collided on big occasions, so that one, again, that's just on me. But the other ones, though, it's like, you can go to just about, if you look at WWE's pay-per-view schedule, chances are you're going to see that match on another pay-per-view. And not only that, it's probably going to be lower on the card than the main event in a previous pay-per-view. Yeah, I also feel like this match made it felt bigger as well, because so many stars had just recently left at that time. There was like a big vacuum of Jeff Hardy, Shawn Michaels. retired. Edge, they, they all just suddenly left, so we that's why we were getting those Alberto and Rio matches in the main events of pay per views, and then The Rock and Cena just felt so big in comparison that we kind of forgot what a big match feels like. Maybe that's a good point. And that that WrestleMania, if you look at the card, you know, you have the Sheamus Daniel Bryan um thing, oh, so <laughs> but that is the reason Daniel Bryan got to where he was. So I guess we should be happy about it. Well, it worked out. It worked out. But I, yeah. I was, I was serious at the time. That's fair. <laughs> well, that's weird because you're Irish. You should be cheering for Sheamus. Yeah, but Bryan's my boy. Yeah. I, 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 I would root the Irishman. <laughs> I think a lot of people were mad. So don't worry about it. Uh, you had, but you had that mat, that thing. I'm not gonna call it a match. You had Jericho and Punk, which was really good. End of the era, end of an era, Hell in a Cell. So that was a big WrestleMania. You know, they they loaded that up. Yeah, it's funny, right? That on that show there was once in a lifetime, which became twice in a lifetime, and there was the end of an era for the era which continued for like another six, seven years because Triple H wouldn't let it go, and Undertaker wouldn't let it go. So it was kind of it still carried on. Yeah, that 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 entire show was just one big false advertisement, wasn't it? Sad but true. Very sad. I'm more sad about the once in a lifetime thing. Still, like I'll never, I'm never gonna let it go. I never will because of how excited I was. And then they're like, "Yeah, let's do it again." Um, but let's get to it. Once in a lifetime, the bell rings. You could feel it. Um, there was a really cool part to this where Michael Cole and Jerry Lawler shut up for like you know a minute and they just kind of let you feel the crowd and the two wrestlers in the ring and this is sometimes why i wish there was a mute commentary option just so you could feel that i think it's i think it goes a long way and my god there is no crowd like this at least for wwe anymore you know seventy thousand people so loud do you do you guys think we'll ever get a crowd like that again? I uh, think uh, it's tough to say. Yeah, I feel like those crowds are are gone because there is sort of I don't know what you'd call them the, the adult, but no, I can't call them the adult fans anymore. Uh, they were like the I can't say internet fans anymore because everyone's on the internet. I, I don't know what you'd call them, but anyway, there was like a a hardcore contingent of WWE fans that I feel like they've all gone. They've all stopped watching and they've gone elsewhere. So I I don't feel like we'll get it again unless they can pull off another match that big. Maybe a Rock vs. Roman match would be the only one that can do it. 
I don't even know if he could do it. I think it would. I think it, it's probably like for WWE, it's the best chance to even come close to that. But uh, see, me being the optimist, I want to say I feel like it can happen. But with WWE and the way they currently produce, I don't see them generating it. I feel like the Rock, I, Rock Roman would. Rock Roman would get close. I don't know if it will quite reach that level though, just because, and. Again, this could also just be the WWE hater in me now, um, because I I don't think I've watched them in close to a year, maybe even more now. Um, but, like I said, it would just be tough, although the Tribal Chief does rule, so he could definitely do something. That he does. But, again, me kind of being, like, more of the more of an AEW guy, I can't... Again, I see trouble with them being able to generate, it, generate that kind of excitement, because they don't have any real mainstream guys. The closest guy that they had was was kind of Cody, but he's kind of taken off. I mean, unless, yeah, unless you can get back like the like get back a lot of hardcore fans, I could kind of see them getting some buzz if, you know, AJ for some reason left WWE and they finally had the Omega AJ match that they've been dying to do. I could maybe see that, but even still I have trouble seeing that reach that kind of level. Yeah. I think I think we got a really I think one of the best AEW like buzzes so far has been Omega and Danielson and I'm not sure Styles could outdo that if that makes sense. Not any, yeah, not anymore. I, I feel like there's a time when that match would have done. So I don't feel like New Japan done that. In the words of Nick, you know, AJ Styles is a good B-plus player. And <laughs> oh, I had to put that out there. Um, I, got, I got one for you guys. What about Okada Omega in the States? Now, that, that's something that you might could get some buzz for. That might could do something. I'll do you one better, Okada versus Brian. Yeah, that was my, that was my yeah. other one. Never been that, that could work. I mean, Okada versus Punk, too. That's another one that could generate some matches. It's it's weird that now we're reaching to people who the general population aren't going to know and bringing them in. So what we're <laughs> saying is Okada. That, Okada. That oh. seems to be the end. To be fair, though, I mean, when you really look at, and again, I know we're getting a little off subject, but when you look at Okada, like, just from, he in Japan is probably equal to, like, Cena and the Rock levels of stardom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, wrestling, man. especially. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, I think he's married to a very famous actress over there. Um, I don't think we really get to appreciate truly how much success these guys are, have over there. Like, for example, one guy who was a mid level UFC fighter, his name is Yoshihiro Akiyama. But over in Japan, he's a main eventer and he can sell out a stadium for singing, not even fighting, just singing. And he, that's not his main way of making a living. That's crazy. That's such yeah. a good point, though. And I, I, here's a good thing: like Okada carried the Olympic torch for Japan. That's a big deal. Yeah, he did. Like you don't see John Cena doing that. Well, there's yeah. reasons, but I guess you know pro wrestling's viewed in a different way in Japan too, um, which I think you know goes a long way. But oh, well, that's a fun conversation to have. I guess we should get to the actual match now. Yeah, let's um, get to the- 
All right. Who wants to kick us off? Because, you know, Joseph, I know you took a lot of notes on this. Uh, so I'll let you, you know, kind of get into the beginning of the match and the way they worked it. Because, you know, you told me last night how you can kind of see someone works the heel role, someone works the baby face role. Um, yeah. And once you, you know, pointed that out to me, which I've kind of known in the past, but I didn't, I never really, you know, fully looked at it because I just never felt the need to. But it gave me a whole different appreciation for the way they worked this. So I'll let you take it. Yeah. So you can definitely, like, if you kind of like look at the way they're working, Cena's definitely working the heel in the match because you watch it. Rock is up in the beginning. He's getting his shine on, getting the crowd into it, making eh, making them all feel good. And while Cena doesn't like cut him off in an underhanded way, he still cuts him off, still takes you know the Rock shine away from the fans a little bit to where now they have heat on Cena and now he's being up the Rock, he's on top, and it's just such an interesting dynamic to think about it because. Everyone's like, if you ask the casual fan, oh, they were both baby faces in that matchup. Yes, to the fans, they were both baby faces, but from the actual match work itself, Cena was a heel while that was going on. Cena's really great at doing that. He, he's done that a few times. There was the uh, ECW one night stand match with RVD where he worked pretty much as a heel to, to really great effect. And I think he did it with Brian at the SummerSlam match. So Cena was really good at. Yeah. Working as a heel during these big matches where he knew he was going to be booed out of the building. He really was. And when you think about it, it's just, and I kind of watched it with, what? I kind of watched it with, I can't remember which one of the Owens matches it was, but he kind of worked heel with Owens too a little bit just because, so for most people, working heel doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, you're the guy who's getting booed. It just means that you're the guy who's, kind of controlling the match, being the ring general, and you're also um you're also kind of like putting more heat on the other guy. You're the guy who kind of has a little bit more control in the matchup. Whereas the baby face they get their shine in the beginning, they get some hope spots in between, and then you go into the comeback and then whoever comes out on top comes out on top. Yeah, precisely. I yeah, so once you told me like that idea, I was watching this, I was like uh, I mean, I know everyone says this, but they really missed the boat not letting Cena just go full heel. They really did. At one point, especially this point, he was getting booed out of the building. He you know, ultimately had the biggest loss of his career. It would have been such an easily told story of like, okay, you know, Cena's just kind of sick of, you know, get, taking it off the chin from all the fans. And... You know, there's there's stories about how Cena said, "Yeah, I had new, I had a new gear prepared, I had new entrance music prepared for that time. He was ready. They were he going had, to pull that trigger." Yeah, he had an idea too for like a visual. I think, and again, this could have been some dirt chain nonsense, but I take it as true just because it sounds like such a cool idea to me of him taking off his like taking off like the t-shirt, the bands and everything, throwing them in a trash can and setting them on fire at the end of the pay-per-view. That, to me, would have been absolutely awesome. Oh, man, that would have been awesome. Would have been his Hail Hydra moment, wouldn't it? Yes. Oh, (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, man, yeah. That would have been amazing. You know, (laughs) like, Cena was... I think Cena, like, sometimes gets, like, his brilliance in wrestling does get underappreciated. I think it's starting to get more appreciated, you know, with him gone. 
but he got it. You know, like there's a reason he was on top. It wasn't because he was just pushed to the top. He understood. And I think this match really works into his favor of that. You know, he has someone in there who is going to get cheered louder than him and he can work that heel style, even though he hadn't been a heel since what, 2004, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, but yeah, he perfected that style though. Like it's just one of those things where, and again, you know, you just Google John Cena calling a match, you're going to see some hilarious videos of him shouting very audibly, um, That's not true. being very discreet. But at the same time, though, like what people don't realize is that he still plays the strengths. Like we were talking a little bit, like for anyone who looks at the Rock between the time he wrestled here and his last match before this all. He's significantly more Jack, like bigger dude, mm-hmm. and the more muscle you have, the more oxygen that takes up. That's basic. That's basic science right there. I don't have to explain it too much. But Cena knew the Rock was going to get gas. He laid out the match perfectly to play to both guys' strengths, which was really. And again, I was talking about this a little before we started. If you look at it all, it's a very basic match formula. Not not condemning at all because it's executed to perfection, which is where it can get lost sometimes. But it's a very basic match. It's something that honestly, someone who just graduated from wrestling school could probably do, but it wouldn't have the same effect as them because they don't have the ability to work the crowd that these guys have. Like it just it focuses more on their ability to draw the fans in, which is where both guys shine above everyone else in this industry. Mm-hmm. And I think there's an art of having the crowd in your hand at all times. Everything that these two did had a reaction. You know, Rock was out wrestling Cena early on, and Cena started to look frazzled. And I thought that was, you know, kind of brilliant of like, oh, he was not ready for the Rock to be on his level all of a sudden again, even though he's the underdog, you know, because Cena's been going this whole time. Mm -hmm. And... Cena broke out some moves that you don't really see him do. You know, he did a bear hug. <laughs> like, Cena doesn't do bear hugs. Like, that was one of the moves that I know uh, that, I, you know, I took a note of. I was like, you know, he slowed down the match and tried to, you know, calm down that crowd for when Rock got out of it. And he Rock did get out of it to the point where, you know, sooner rather than later, we got an AA out of nowhere, you know? And, it was after the rock did a, you can't see me, you know, because you know, he does his three punches and on the third one, he did the, you can't see me. He gets caught for an AA and they just, they're just so smart about it. Um, yeah. That to me was one of the most, like I had a note of that as well. To, that was like one of the cutoffs that they did off of a hope spot, which I thought was like absolutely brilliant. But again, it's like, like I was talking with one of my, one of my buddies from, um, from the factory when I was doing, oh, when I was going over my notes, and he's like, dude, if we would have done that, we would have gotten our butt shoot off one side and down the other, but again, we're not, we're not seeing Unrock. there's a reason why that worked for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Nick, let me, let me ask you, you know, as someone that rewatched this, you know, you know the first AA is going to get kicked out, you know the first Rock Bottom is going to get kicked out, but even when they hit them, do you like have this? The, I had that like feeling of doubt still of like, you know, cause the AA wasn't getting kicked out as much back then as it does, as it eventually did in all of Cena's big match. And it got kicked out of, you know, we saw it with Punk and Cena, but 
I don't know. It still had a little more power to it. And then the rock bottom, of course. So what was your reactions uh, to that? You know, if you can remember them, of course, because of how big that match felt and like, you know, it's Cena, it's rock. You never know. Yeah. I, I felt the same way. It reminded me of uh, WrestleMania 19 and the rock and Austin. I feel like there was three or four stone cold stunners and three or four rock bottoms in that match. And each one, I was like, okay, this is the end. And then it wasn't the end. And I feel like I remember feeling the same way about this one. That I, I didn't expect the match to go... How long did the match last? Like 35 minutes? Yeah, it went long. You know it went long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember thinking at the time, this is only going to be a 15, 20-minute match because, first of all, The Rock hasn't wrestled besides the tag match in seven years. And... 15 minutes in, the rock just looked gassed. And I remember thinking, this is not going to go too long. So this rock bottom will be the last, or this AA will be the last. And it wasn't the last. So, yeah, I had the doubt. Yeah, yeah. That's, I think that's a part of wrestling now that sometimes does bother me is that they use these moments in the smallest matches. So that when they are doing them in main events, it doesn't always feel as important, you know? There's there's something about creating a move to feel so special that when it's hit, you're like, okay, you know, it's it's not over. Or, you know, I, the perfect example is the one-winged angel that Kenny Omega does. That doesn't get kicked out of. You know that. But, no one kicks out. Right. But you look at Brock Lesnar and building to that WrestleMania 34 match with Roman Reigns, 1F5 ended Samoa Joe, Braun Strowman, um, you know, other people that I can't remember uh, <laughs> because I just I can't remember. But 1F5. And then, and then in that WrestleMania main event, they have Roman Reigns kick out of eight. Eight. And it just completely destroys the magic of what you were trying to build up. They were doing the right thing, making that F5 feel special, but then you have Roman Reigns kick out that many times, and it just completely destroys it. So if I they thought, were playing. Yeah, yeah, and uh, there's such there's such easy ways to make wrestling matches better, and it's protecting a move, so like when they kicked out here, it worked, you know? Yeah, 100%. And now there's only one move that hasn't been kicked out of in the last seven years. Do you know what it is? The Red Arrow? No, it is Baron Corbin's End of Days. That's Baron right. No Corbin's one's ever kicked out of that. Thanks, I hate it. <laughs> to be fair, the End of Days is actually like a pretty cool and unique move. It's one that like no one else really does, period. I know, yeah. but the fact it's not protected, and I feel like it's been protected by accident. I, I don't feel like they said, okay, let's have no one kick out in this move. <laughs> with, uh, with the way they were doing John Morrison's Starship Pain during his first run, like it it wasn't planned that nobody was kicking out of it. It was just like, oh, no one's kicked out of this. We're going to start making this a thing. And then the Miz kicked out of it on their false count anywhere during Raw. Oh, so the Miz was the first to kick out? Oh, God. The Miz was the first one to kick out of it, yeah. Listen, and it was in the WrestleMania 27 match. I don't, I don't mean to be that guy, but Starship Pain at times was a hideous looking move. <laughs> it was. Like, you know, like I again, like I'm I'm not trying to like advocate that it shouldn't have been kicked out because that's not what I'm saying, but I was kind of backing up like there's so many things that they stumble yeah. onto by accident. 
Heck, the streak was stumbled onto by accident with the Undertaker. That's true. That's true. Man, well, I guess that's, I guess that's again, you know, kind of the beauty of wrestling, though. Like these things just kind of happen. And, uh, but to go back to the point of, you know, when ultimately that, so when the people's elbow was hit in this match, and, you know, if you guys have any notes to add from before that, I'll admit I didn't have as much fear because, like, there's no way. They're having Cena lose to the people's elbow. Of course, you know, CM Punk ultimately did, and I'm still never going to forgive them for that. But, you know, people's elbow, I was like, okay, well, it's not ending here. I think there's a difference there. Like, impact does matter on the move. But, I mean, when you say Starship Pain, like, I had no idea until you just told me. Yeah. So I guess I guess the move does still matter, and, like, having that in your head, Um, by the way, Nick, I will never forget that you just had to bring up Baron Corbin on the show. Thanks. Appreciate it. Welcome. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, you know, as we get later into the match, they had sharpshooters, you know, Rock locked that on twice. Cena got on the STF. Um, and I guess, again, with the finisher thing, like the STF back then was winning matches, right? So, it was. And they were in it for a while, and they did my fa- one of my favorite parts of a pro wrestling match is when they do the classic, like, lift the arm, drop it, lift the arm, drop it, lift the arm. Oh, he saves himself at the very end. I don't know what that's exactly called, but I love that, and I wish wrestling didn't stop doing that. Uh, yeah, the thing is, though, with the reason for them stopping doing that is because MMA is much bigger now, and it's like, oh, if a guy's unconscious, it doesn't look safe. To, like, if you're making a guy drop his hand three times before you break it up. Yeah, but I like the drama. I like the drama. Like, no, I get that. I definitely get that. Like, uh, that was one thing that QT was talking about. He was like, "It's not realistic, but it builds out drama." He's like, "It's it gets the crowd into it," and he's like, "I kind of wish we were still doing it more often." Oh, see, I knew QT was you know full of knowledge. He he gets uh-huh. it. Yeah, you get. Them. Um. Okay, so the STF. Let me. Do either of you remember it from the match? And, like, did you have fear that Rock was actually going to lose to the STF? No. I'm not the re- yeah. I, I don't remember the Rock really ever tapping out from from when I was growing up. I, I remember him wrestling, hate to say his name, Benoit and loads of other submission guys. And I don't remember any of them ever tapping out the Rock. So I didn't see... Cena winning with an SDF. Yeah, that was kind of my thing too. I was just like, well, not from like having seen him because I hadn't seen him prior to that, but I was like, there's no way they're going to have one of the biggest stars, not just in wrestling, but in the world right now, period, because he was on an uptrend at that point. He wasn't what he is now, but he was on his way to it. Like, everyone still knew who The Rock was. They're not going to have him come back in this pay-per-view main event to tap out because, again, as much as I hate to admit it, Tapping out, especially in Americanized wrestling, it's looked at as giving up, as quitting, and they're not going to have the biggest star they have quit on their biggest show ever. Right, right. That's a great point. I mean, when I was watching it, I or rewatching it, I definitely didn't feel that. And you know, if it feels like one of those matches, I think we've gotten to the point where submissions can't win all matches. You know, you need that impact move. For example, when uh. Daniel Bryan and Cena face each other. He brought out the uh, knee for the first time. 
right? Yep. And that's why that works so well is you want that you want that impact move that you can hit at any time because it just it makes the match better, makes the end better. Because I'm not I don't know. I don't know about you guys. I, I guess I should pick your brains on that. How do you feel about submissions ending matches when it's such a big like main event? That's a really good question. Yeah. Do you want to go first, J Dub? Yeah, I can go first on it. Like I'm kind of split on it just because like there's actually a divisive on the like American circuit period about submission endings at all, really. Like, for example, when uh don't want to spoil anything, I'm not gonna give away any results, but whenever the Nightmare Factory Camp Five showcase there's there's only one submission hold on there, and there's a reason for that. It's just because submissions are i'm not going to say frowned upon for a finish but they kind of are for that reason and like it's not as much drama around the finish as like that big impact move that comes out of nowhere that gets the crowd popped um unless you're a guy who like brian danielson or a kurt angle who gets the crowd behind the submission and builds up to that tap out but there aren't too many guys who can do that it's like if you're a guy like that who has mastered building up that tap out by all means, it can end a any big match if you do it right. But if you're... I'm trying to think of someone, because I don't want to crap on anyone, because I might work with some of these people in the future. Um, but I'm just going to say, if you're like some random guy who's just starting out, unless you're like... Don't make it, don't make the submission your big thing, starting out at least. Like, that's just... If, if you're a guy like Brian Danielson or Kurt Angle, then yeah, absolutely can end. But for like regular people if it's john cena cm punk i don't think so because even cena doesn't make the sdf feel like the big ending to a match that it should honestly i feel like cena did for a while did he not tap out um umaga with the SDF? he did tap out umaga but at the same time though like that's why i'm saying like it didn't feel he tapped out kevin owens too like it it was a legitimate way to end the match but it didn't it didn't maximize the drama is what i was trying to get that's how uh, he yeah. beat triple h at 22 and Sean at 23, I believe. Wow. Yeah, that, that move was really protected at the time to submit it those two. And, it just worked. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying as well, because I feel like if you're a big-named wrestler, you can kind of use a submission move every now and then as a, as a sort of way to tell the story of, oh, my main move hasn't worked it's time to bring out you know the secret weapon so mm-hmm. to speak and this has worked for roman reigns during the tribal chief thing because he's doing the uh the gear team now um yeah. i feel like i i really like that move actually and i feel like it's it, it does add the, the extra drama to his matches so it does yeah really. yeah all right well craig's done being a jerk so let's get to the end of this match right okay so one of the best Best kickouts, I think, in WrestleMania history actually happens right here. John Cena catches The Rock on a crossbody. Yes, The Rock did a crossbody from the top rope. What? Catches- that happened? Yeah, it did. He catches him, and you know, as Cena does, he rolls through, holds him, gets a little smirk on his face, puts him up to his shoulders, hits the AA, and I'm like, oh, my God. You know, rewatch oh. this. Yeah, yeah I remember thinking that was it. I remember thinking like, ah, oh, they just they just buried the rock of all people. <laughs> <laughs> and one, two, the kick out, people lose it. And it's funny that you say they buried the rock. 
because I was watching this back and I was like, you know, if this was once in a lifetime, like truly, part of me still thinks Cena should have won if it was once, but it wasn't, so it doesn't matter. Because um, I remember Cena losing, and I'm like, man, what's next? Because it would make sense if he lost if they were going to turn him heel, but it was the next night and, you know, the next pay-per-view that he beat Brock Lesnar and Brock Lesnar's first match back, so it was weird. Yeah. I agree. I remember thinking that maybe the tag team match took place just so The Rock could get one win on this comeback, and then he would lose right. the Cena, and then the least he still won one match. Then so right. when The Rock won, I was a bit surprised. JW, do you? How did you feel about this? Uh, I guess the sequence per se, rather than just the kick out. Sequence in general, like I said, it was. I remember watching it back then and being like. They just gave it to Cena, my word. I tune in to see The Rock for the first time, and he's going to lose. And then, oh, he kicked out. Oh, absolutely great. But the sequence itself, it's like, like I said, it's wrestling 101. It's absolutely beautiful. And they, like I said, they just executed it so well, like they did with everything in this match, really. Yeah. That, I think everything up until this match and, you know, the match ending, they if you were to put it all into one group, I think it's a complete success and not just because of ticket sales and whatnot, but I think these two really did hit it out of the park. And I guess now we should get to the finish, which I think as me and JW were talking about, it's a great finish. It is perfectly done where Cena gets very confident. You know, he fakes doing the, a second five knuckle shuffle. He kind of stares at his hand. and He's like, Oh, has this idea. You know, he gets the thing, he kicks Rock's leg over and, you know, mocks the people's elbow. And as he's coming back for the final, you know, off the ropes for the final time, Rock gets up, hits a picture-perfect Rock bottom. One, two, three, matches over. I mean, re-watching this, I was still like, man, they, you know, it's such a simple thing to, like, mock your opponent. But the way they did this and how it was so sudden, I thought it was perfect. Yeah, and again, it just would have lended itself all the more to that potential heel turn we were we've been talking about throughout. It's like uh, that would have been such a perfect time because to go for that at the end of the match to taunt your opponent, like at the end when you've just been going back and forth with him the entire time, that shows like an almost arrogance about yourself, and then to have the rug pulled out from underneath you, like that would have just. To me, in an actual sports world, that would have been like soul breaking, basically. True. Yeah. Nick, how, how do you I, feel about it? Yeah, I, I thought this was the beginning of or seen as heel turn, so more fool me. Uh yeah, that that's where I thought this was gonna lead, and it, it didn't. No, it didn't. But they have those similar moments. So this is one of those like iconic WrestleMania images where Cena is sitting on the ramp. Mm-hmm. just defeated and i think the la- the next time we had one of those was when roman was standing on the ramp with his arms up with the fireworks behind him after beating uh undertaker and i remember both of them happening and i both both times i thought oh this has to be a heel turn because you know cena was like okay i'm done i'm defeated i couldn't get it done and then roman you know the opposite was like i just beat the undertaker finish the undertaker which you know that didn't happen either so i guess none of this actually works out because wwe doesn't like <laughs> the book correctly 
um, you know, thinking back, but the idea at least was exciting. Cause you're like, Oh, you know, this is the next step for Sheena's character, something we haven't seen in years. And as we learned, it was not. Yeah. yeah. He very quickly I... returned to being smiley, happy go lucky Sheena. Although I, f- I feel like he lost a lot that year. Maybe that was the first year throughout his baby face run where he lost that many times. I could be wrong on that. Maybe he won a lot. He no, I'm pretty sure. He, yeah, because that was he like was the first year he hadn't won the title. Yeah, he lost to Punk a few times during that year. He did beat Brock Lesnar, which honestly I'm still kind of ticked about. Yeah, yeah. But... they did that weird. They no, that reminds me. They did that weird thing where like Cena was down on his luck, and he's like, "I can't beat Brock," and then Edge randomly showed up and gave him his chain. Yeah. <laughs> that was really random. So another thing I just realized: didn't he lose to Tensai during that time frame too? Oh, God, oh. I hope not. oh, was Tensai before 2012? I think Tensai was before. No, because he debuted, I think, around the same time frame that that Brock returned. I won't say that he did. I could be wrong. I'm gonna look at look at stuff now, just because I I really can't remember when Tensai showed up. It could be any time between 2010 and 2012 for me. It is completely it, voided out of my brain. Some of that kind of blends together, but I want to say because they were pushing Tensai hard when he initially came back. Yeah, for like a month. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then they and, had him dancing in lingerie, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah, I think there's anything wrong with that. He scored pinfall victories over both John Cena and CM Punk. Good God. And that was during CM Punk's WWE Championship reign. So yeah, I think that that was like, I think that was in the right time frame. That's just a forgotten part of 2012 that no one seems to remember. Tensai. That wasn't Brodus Clay that year as well. It might have been. Yes, and you know how I remember this because before The Rock versus John Cena, once in a lifetime, they did the mama thing where they all the old ladies were dancing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh my gosh, they. Did. <laughs> You're welcome for that reminder. Oh god. I mean to be fair, I did just remind you of Tensai returning and beating both Cena and Punk during his return. Are we sure WWE is worse now? <laughs> <laughs> this is pretty bad. <laughs> well, I know for a fact SmackDown is as bad as it can be, it's better than what SmackDown was then. But Raw I don't know. I don't know. Raw is definitely worse now. Yeah, Raw's got nothing going for it now that I can recall. Oh man, that wow, what a what a flashback of how terrible some of that was. You know, this is why the brain is selective. You can remember the good things, you don't have to remember the bad things. But yeah. uh in in a in a bag, uh how did you guys feel overall about the John Cena versus The Rock once in a lifetime feud? Uh, did you overall enjoy it? Do you remember it fondly? Um, is it a match you'll go back and watch, you know, five, ten years down the road? Or, you know, is it kind of like, oh, it was a good match, but, you know, it was just that. And, you know, you'll move on. Yeah, so the feud is one I remember really well to this day without having really gone back to watch it. So there's definitely a lot of memorable moments in there for it to still you know, stand in my memory. But the match I've never rewatched 
until today for this podcast. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I feel like the match is really good, it's, but it's, it's like a moment. It's, it's one that you can't really rewatch. You had to just watch it then, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. It does. It does. I have a few matches of that. How about you, JW? So the impact, like it's still rewatching it. Everything hits me, the build, everything when I watch it. So it does have like that little bit of nostalgia, especially because this was like one, the first WrestleMania that I didn't get to watch it live. Unfortunately, I had to watch it the next day, uh, but it was at my friend's house. It was recorded. It had the surround sound system. I completely shot off social media. So it was still like live to me, basically. Um, but everything came r- rushing back. So it was like a great moment. It's something that I might do like once every five years or heck, as my cousin gets more and more into wrestling, it might be one of those matches I share with him. I do get what Nick's saying where it's like one of those moments that it's hard to like get back in that moment on rewatches. But at the same time though, it's still, like I said, it's still got that nostalgia to it where it's a nice like little like refresher, um, especially in the modern WWE landscape where they don't have anything near that level nowadays. Right. I think I think it's fair because like as someone that rewatched it for the first time for this, I was able to get myself a bit into it, but I had to rewatch a lot of the stuff prior to it. Like when you're watching CM Punk versus John Cena for Money in the Bank, I personally think you don't have to watch a single thing to get back into that feeling. I think the atmosphere for that and there was just so something so special about that compared to this that I'm instantly in it. And I like that idea that, you know, Nick brought up is, you know, he, this is the first time he even thought about probably watching it um, since it happened. (laughs) And there are, it's just, that's how some matches go. Like that's probably how some people probably treat rock and Hogan, maybe a little bit different. Cause I know a lot of people do actually love that match, but I don't know. Yeah. I've seen that one a few times. Yeah, and we live in a time, I guess, too, where rewatching matches, or you know, the way wrestling matches are seen, isn't always about the what's the word? Uh, it isn't about the you know feel of it in terms of just the two people going at it, but the greatness of the match itself. If that makes sense, you know, it's about the in ring more than anything nowadays. And I think that, you know, we've kind of moved on from the mega match. Even if WWE thinks they still have them, we've moved on from it. That's why, that's why we're naming Okada versus Omega, Okada versus Danielson as the next match to get an atmosphere like that. The times have changed. That's a very good point. I agree. Yeah. And yeah, that, that match was, you know, it, it it was a good match like in, in terms of ring psychology, but yeah, it doesn't really compare to some of matches today, which would have nowhere near the same crowd reaction, but probably twice the ring work. Yeah, no, that's that's all very good points. And like I said, it goes back to what I was saying earlier with it's a very basically worked match that only those two could get that kind of reaction out of. But if is it going to get five stars versus the CM Punk Cena match? Definitely not because Punk and Cena, they they told like a more detailed story like in the confines of Bell to Bell than Rock and Cena did. Meanwhile, Rock and Cena had the bigger reaction. Punk and Cena had more story to it. To be fair, that Chicago building though was uh, 
that was different for you. That crowd is ridiculous. Yeah, it's it was still fiery for sure. It's just that two different levels of crowd involvement. Yeah, for sure. stadium and not stadium is just a different conversation too. Exactly. Very yeah. very. I'm not a fan of stadiums for, for wrestling shows, to be honest. I like the dome. That's about it. As in the Tokyo dome. Yeah. That's... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Probably the like... silver dome. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Super dome or silver dome? I can't remember. No. Uh, I, I'm trying to think of like a stadium that I've liked watching a wrestling show in now. Thanks. Besides the Tokyo dome. It was the Wembley 1992 SummerSlam. Oh, yeah. you, you might not have seen that. I, don't yeah, know I, was, I have seen it. I, I went did. back and seen it. That was pretty good. I did not. I was, you know, I was seven years away from being born. I didn't yeah, see it I when it happened. But, uh, I, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, Wembley, too bad they don't ever go there. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I guess Wembley's a good one. Yeah. Interesting. Well, anyways, I mean, any final thoughts before we... Uh, wrap this up i think we are you know i think we hit about an hour and a half um after we talked for a while it looks like two hours on the time but we talked for a bit and someone had to fix their microphone yep (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh no no real final thoughts just again like i said it's just it's an awesome reminder in this business getting to see two masters really show their craft but the only real final thought I have is for the three of us, and that's the next time we do one of these. It has to be the Kofi Mania build, just because in the last word on sports group chat, we are basically the equivalent to the New Day in there. So we gotta we gotta cover that. <laughs> that's true. That's a good point. I I I'm game for it. I I think Nick is too. So that'll definitely be the next one. Um, I think that's the beauty of all these matches. We can explore. Um, you know, different times, and you know, that'll be interesting because it's another WrestleMania match, but it's a completely different feel. Uh, Nick, any final thoughts before I wrap this up? I guess one more thing I could add is do you think this feud with The Rock and Cena began uh, when The Rock came back, or did it begin at that Hall of Fame that year when The Rock took shots at Cena? I can't remember what Hall of Fame it was. I think he was inducting his dad or granddad, maybe. Do you remember oh, that? Oh, yes, yes, yes. I think he it took, was um, Rocky Johnson. Yeah, he took shots at Cena and the Marine, and I feel like that was the beginning of that feud, or people wanting to see that feud. So, I don't know. Maybe that's something I should have mentioned earlier in the show. Oops. But it, anyway, yeah. <laughs> I definitely... I'm with you there. Like, that that was probably the first thought for a lot of people. of Like, oh, you know, maybe this will happen. I don't know... I don't know what the mindset was, you know, when Rock left originally, if people ever thought he'd come back or not. There was a lot of bad blood between him and Vince, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and then, you know, money money happens and that changes <laughs> everything, which, you know, that's how wrestling works. Yeah. Uh, there, was, there, was, there was bad blood between uh, Goldberg and Vince, too, and, you know, he's Look back. So. Yeah. Maybe we'll, that, you know what? You know what we'll do? We'll do uh, Goldberg versus Undertaker instead. Oh, jeez. <laughs> no, no. Can we can we have like a complete ban on Goldberg's name on this show? Like, yeah, it, uh, it's official. As soon as you ask for it, it's official. Never going to yes. be said again. Perfect. That's my yeah. legacy on the show. <laughs> uh, but thank you to you both for coming on. Uh, it was good to talk to you. I mean, this is the first time I'm doing this new style of show. So thank you for working through the kinks of it. 
Um, I'm excited to talk to you guys again, and uh, I hope you had a good time. You too. Definitely did. Can't wait to be on again for sure.